Good morning to everybody. Good to be together. Amen? Oh, good, good. Well, blessed we are to be able to come here, you know, as we have all been noting and watching on TV and perhaps listening in, on radio news, there is a war going on in another part of the world. And while that's thousands of miles away from us, we may have the tendency to feel like we're insulated from that. But the reality is we have brothers and sisters in Christ everywhere, all around the world. And I want to encourage you, if you have not been doing so, not been thinking about it from this perspective, be praying for your brothers and sisters in Christ in Ukraine and Russia and all those nations surrounding. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, we uh, took part of our contribution and, and a big part of it, and we sent funds over to help the churches over there help our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we'd already sent some funds ahead of that. And uh, this is going to be an ongoing need for a long time. People are either not going to be able to go back home because they have no home, and then also depending on how things ultimately transpire, or else they may go back home and have to completely rebuild or retry to try to reestablish themselves. So please keep them in your prayers. And let's be mindful of God's, his power to change things and work things out and pray for his resolution in this situation, in this conflict. And let's be thankful that we do not face such in our land today. Uh, we are blessed so much to be where we are. And praise God for that. Over the last several Sundays, about two months or so now, we have been looking at the Bible's teaching on faith. We began by talking about Jesus's four statements, O ye of little faith, and then how they were connected to some particular problem or handicap or maybe just kind of coming up short in the mind and the life of the individuals individual or individuals to whom he was addressing those statements. And then we dissected the term faith as it is used in three different ways in the New Testament scriptures, faith, faithfulness, and the faith, understanding that faith is my personal belief system, but it is based upon the faith, which is the word of God, and kind of boiled down the gospel of Christ, and then I need to put that into action in my life, and that is faithfulness. Our faith is key to our eternal salvation, our eternal life in heaven. Our spiritual strength, and I could suggest to you that it goes beyond just our spiritual strength, our strength in life, true strength, in the ultimate sense, is in our faith. It's in our faith. Our faith is key to our spiritual strength. We need to understand that. I, I wish everybody in the world would understand that because a whole lot of people are living as though it's all about them. And they're completely in charge and in control and their strength is all there is. Well, what happens when they get to be at a point where maybe they've become handicapped or disabled or maybe they just get old enough that they cannot, their body does not function as well, it's not as strong as it used to be, they can't do the things they used to do and take care of themselves in the way they used to be able to take care of themselves, well, where's their strength then? But you see, God, he offers us strength no matter what might confront us 
through our faith, through our faith. In Luke chapter 17 and verse 5, the apostles asked Jesus, increase our faith. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by its roots and be planted in the sea and it would, it would obey you. Jesus was trying to get across the importance of strength in faith, we, how it can sustain us, it can see us through no matter what might be confronting us at that time, what difficulties we might be dealing with at any moment in our lives. It is our faith in Christ that allows us to tap into that strength that he offers us by being in him as we're baptized into him, uh, Romans chapter 6 and verse 3. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ not through his own abilities, not by himself, in and of himself. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. How important it is for us to understand that. Faith is the <clears throat> key. It is the pivotal point to coming into a saved relationship with God through Jesus Christ and ultimately eternal life, that not just a wild wish, but the expectation of its fulfillment. Paul wrote in, in Ephesians 2 and verse 8, by grace you have been saved through faith, through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. The, the faith or the salvation, that's by God's grace. That's his gift to us. But the faith that enables us to receive that gift by God's grace, that's our part. We must have that faith. We come to Christ, we become a Christian based upon Faith, our faith in him and in God. In Acts chapter 26 and verse 18, in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. By faith in me. Our faith is key again, to our salvation and our expectation of eternal life. Now, lack of faith is why a person does not become a Christian. A person might say, well, uh, no, I have, I have good faith. Now, if you're not going to become a Christian, you have a lack of faith. Your faith is extremely weak. It's not strong enough to motivate you to do what you know the scriptures teach you should be doing. That's a lack of faith. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, we read from the apostles, nor is there salvation in any other, for there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Only through Christ can we be saved and have the hope of eternal life. In John chapter 8 and verse 24, Jesus himself said, if you do not believe in me or have faith in me that I am the Son of God, that I am your Savior, you will die in your sins. Lack of faith is why a person does not become a Christian. Now they can make all kinds of excuses and say, and Mark was talking about that to some extent in the adult class this morning. Some people say, well, there's something really difficult in my life right now and I've got to work this out before I become a Christian or before I come back to the Lord. You've got a lack of faith. Your faith is weak if that's your reasoning. You know, it's really the devil is manipulating you into thinking that you cannot go back or you cannot become a Christian until you work this out all on your own. But you can't, and I've said this many times 
in, in teaching and preaching for decades, you can't get straight without getting straight. You can't get your life right without getting your life right. And the only way to get your life right is through Jesus Christ, by becoming a Christian or living the Christian life. Faith gives us guidance to live our daily lives faithfully. We walk by faith and not by sight, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 7. A Christian is faithful. A Christian is dedicated. A Christian actively serves Christ. If, he's, if all of those statements are true for the individual Christian, because of his faith. In James chapter 2 and verse 18, some people say, well, you have faith, I have works. James said, show me your faith without your works. I will show you my faith by my works. You'll be able to see my faith by the way I live my life as, a, as an active, dedicated, involved Christian, obedient to God's word. You'll see my faith by my works. Now try to show me your faith without your works. You see, it's rhetorical. It can't be done. If you're going to really have active faith, you're going to have active faith. You're going to be living the Christian life. It, you cannot separate the two. And James goes into great detail in that second half of James chapter 2 in demonstrating that. And I mean meticulous detail. A Christian is faithful because of his faith. In Romans chapter 4, beginning with verse 18, we read of Moses, I'm sorry, we read of uh, Abraham. And Abraham demonstrated his faith. Now, did he make mistakes along the way? No question about that. But he demonstrated his faith in, in, in a fundamental way, in obeying God in spite of what might have seemed like unreasonable situations or promises from God or instructions from God that would require faith. How can I have faith? How can my faith guide me to do this? Well, simply God said it and that settles it. I have faith in God so I can trust him. Whatever it is he's told me to do, whatever it is he's instructed of me, whatever it is he's promised me, I, 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 God is all powerful. I have faith in him. He will follow through. He will give me the blessing. And so God called Abraham, then Abram, and Sarah, then Sarai, when she was 65 years old, when she was, uh, she, was, she was about 65 years old, he was 75 years old, and he said, I'm going to give you a son. She was barren. She had never borne any children. She was past, certainly past the age of bearing children at that time, even if she had not been barren. But Abraham certainly was past the age, you would think, of being able to father children. 75 years old, even in that time, the longevity of life being what it was back then. But God said, I'm going, to give you, I'm going to give you a son. And all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed through your bloodline, through the, that son. Because ultimately, we can fast forward and see that Jesus would come into the world in physical form through the bloodline of Abraham and that son of promise, who would be Isaac. But not only did God call Abraham to that ultimate blessing when he was 75 and his wife was 65, but he waited another 25 years. And so Abraham, by this time, as God had changed his name, was 100 years old, or just about. And Sarah was, as he had changed her name, was 
was 90 years old, and God blessed them with that son of promise. There was no way that they could have assumed, wow, look what the accident happened here. Or, or look what we did all by ourselves and in and of ourselves. The blessing could only come from God. And so Paul writes about that, about Abraham's faith in Romans chapter 4, beginning with verse 18. Speaking of Abraham, he says, who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. And therefore, because of Abraham's undying faith in God, steadfast faith in God, it was accounted to him for righteousness by God. What a great example for us. What a great encouragement for us. A Christian who is unfaithful, who is undedicated, who is spiritually inactive, has weak faith. Strong faith will not allow unfaithfulness. Do not delude yourself into believing, as many people have done and continue to do, that you are a person of strong, great faith if you are living unfaithfully. The two just don't go together. John writes about this in a rather succinct fashion in 1 John chapter, one, uh, chapter 2 verses 4 and 5. He wrote, he who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. That, my brothers and sisters and my friends, is faithfulness. That is an apt and, and correct identification or illustration of faithfulness. We should regularly and continually examine ourselves pertaining to our faith and our faithfulness because we need to be strong in faith and that's what sustains us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5, the Apostle Paul encouraged, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves, he says. Do you, not know, do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified? How many times do we check ourselves out? You look in the mirror in the morning, you brush your teeth, oh, it looks like how they look at you. How are they feeling? Am I getting any pain? We look at our hair. Did I comb it? Did I brush it? Uh, did I shave everything just right? Have I got my makeup on for ladies? And we go through motion. Sometimes we feel a, a, a pain in a joint or something. We start working that. We're testing ourselves. We want to be sure. We go have physical exams on a yearly basis. We make sure that we do what the doctor tells us to do. We're examining ourselves. We're checking ourselves. We're testing ourselves. Am I able to do this or, or not? Is something wrong? Is some bodily function not functioning properly anymore? 
Well, those are all important. Those are good. But even more important is that we examine ourselves as to whether we are in the faith, whether we are living by God's word. You stand by faith. The strength to stand faithful is Christ. 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 24. Not that we have dominion over your faith, but our fellow workers for your joy, for by faith you stand. If you want to be strong spiritually, you've got to stand by faith. You've got to develop and nurture your faith. Pay attention to it. The devil seeks your destruction, but your faith is key to defeating him. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary or your enemy, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion. How many times would you want to go down a pathway where you hear a lion somewhere down the pathway roaring? Or if you see that, 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 that lion out there, do you think you're going to go into his proximity? It's really neat to go see lions in the zoo, isn't it? But you sure don't want to flip over the fence and go and start to pet them, do you? Be, be vigilant. The devil's your adversary. He's your enemy. He walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, and that's you whom he wants to devour. But then John says, here's the key to defeating him. Resist him steadfast in the faith. Steadfast in the faith. Live by God's word, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your, brother, by your brotherhood in the world. When the devil tempted Jesus in the wilderness at the end of those 40 days of fasting, Jesus defeated the devil consistently by quoting scripture to him. By simply saying, I'm living by the word of God. Peter had personally experienced this reality, this danger of the devil wanting to devour him or destroy him spiritually. Before Jesus went to the cross, he told Peter, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you like wheat. If you've ever seen a sifter, you understand the illustration there, the imagery. It's vivid that he may sift you like wheat, but I prayed for you that your faith should not fail. I prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. I wonder how many people right now are being sifted as wheat by the devil. And they don't even realize it. They think they're okay spiritually. But they're not living the life of faithfulness. Strong faith is central to resisting the devil's temptation. Ephesians 6 and verse 16, when Paul the Apostle was writing out, laying out the implements of the spiritual armor that God has, has prepared for us to wear in our lives every day so that we can defeat the devil. He says in verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. In other words, all of the, whatever the devil might throw at you. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 8, but let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate, that protective piece of armor that covers and protects our heart against any piercing. If we were a soldier or a, in battle in that day and age. And still today, 
We have soldiers or policemen who go into potential conflict with, with body armor on, bulletproof vests, and particularly over their chest because that's where our heart is found internally. So let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet the hope of salvation. Our faith is key. Our faith is our strength. And eternal life is contingent upon standing strong in our faith. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning with verse 11, Paul wrote, But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith. Oh, pursue faith. Active pursuit. That's an active instruction. Pursue faith. Love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. In other words, don't give up. And even if the devil tries to back you in the corner, come out swinging from a spiritual perspective. Fight the good fight of faith and thereby lay hold on eternal life, to which you are also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Fight, fight, fight. Never, never, ever give up. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning with verse 7, notice Paul's emphatic instruction here. I have fought the good fight, he said. I have finished the race. He was about to be executed, it would seem, for his faith. I have kept the faith. I have stayed true to God. I've lived by his teachings and instructions. I have kept the faith. What's the result? Did he say? Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. He's talking about eternal life, an eternal home in heaven which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. 1 John chapter 5, I'm, I'm sorry, 1 Peter chapter 1. Receiving the end of your faith, in other words, the ultimate result of your steadfast faith, the salvation of your souls. That's what we're after. That should be our ultimate number one goal in life, that home in heaven with our heavenly Father, with our Savior, and with the Holy Spirit. That should be it, what we're striving for every day. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, John wrote, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And we are constantly in a state of needing to overcome the difficulties and challenges that the devil throws at us by experiences that we naturally are confronted with in this world. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Our faith. Over and over and over again, we see that our strength is in our faith, in our faith. No wonder Jesus said in Revelation 2 and verse 10, at the end of that verse, be faithful, full of faith. And that's not just simply a warm, fuzzy feeling over, you know, kind of bubbling over with, oh, I believe in God, I love the Lord. Faithful, remember, we dissected that. That is putting my faith into action on a consistent basis through obedience and serving and dedication and commitment to the Lord. 
to the teachings of God's word. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. Now, since my faith is tied to my knowledge of God's word, then I need to be diligent on a consistent basis to study his word so that I know what I need to believe and how I need to put it into action in my life. We've looked in this study many times, over and over again. If you listen to the radio program, Search the Scriptures, or if you listen to today's Bible class, you hear me say it every single time, virtually, faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Faith does not just happen to us. We have to have a basis for the development of that faith, and that is the teachings of God's Word. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. And so Paul says in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15, be diligent, or study as one translation says, to present yourself approved unto God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing or handling correctly the word of truth. My faith is centered in my understanding of my God and my Savior through the teachings of God's word, the scriptures. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. When Paul was writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning with verse 15, he reminded Timothy that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Then he went on and said all scripture is given by inspiration of God, God's very word, God breathed. And is profitable for doctrine, for, uh, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. People are trying to walk around out there, trying to struggle, figuring out, okay, how do I, how do I live a faithful life before God? Or, or how do I do this? How do I believe in God? How do I get to heaven while they're living a sinful life? God's word guides us in the pathway of faith. Our strength is in our faith. We need to know God's word. Having a good grasp of God's word, and the phrase sound doctrine is used a number of times in reference to that. In other words, the truth of God's word in the New Testament that is key to recognizing and resisting and refuting doctrinal error. In other words, false teaching, false teaching that the devil may try to use to lead me and you into unfaithfulness. As Paul wrote to Titus and, Titus, and he was instructing Titus as to appointing elders in all the congregations there on the island of Crete, and he was giving, them, giving him also something of an instruction of what the responsibility of elders is. And he said in verse 9, holding fast. They are supposed to be holding fast the faithful word. In other words, the true teachings of God. As he has been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine or by the truth of God's word, both to exhort and convict those who contradict. There are some people out there, they're just, they're just lost in false teaching. But they don't realize it's false teaching, and we need to help them see the truth of God's word. There are others out there who just don't want to believe the truth, but we still need to teach the truth so that prayerfully and hopefully they can hear it 
and understand it better and finally be brought to repentance themselves. In verse 13 of Titus chapter 1, Paul goes on and he says, This testimony is true. Therefore rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. Not just something that some people call faith, but truly in the faith. God's teachings are intended to guide me and you in his will accurately. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, beginning with verse 9, Knowing this, that the law was not made for a righteous person, but for the lawless and insubordinate, for the ungodly, for sinners, for the unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for fornicators, <clears throat> for sodomites, for kidnappers, for liars, for perjurers. And if there is any other thing, notice that is contrary to sound doctrine or to the true teachings of God's word, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust, Paul says. <clears throat> God's teachings are intended to guide us in his truth and in his will thereby. And not following God's teachings correctly can lead to condemnation. As Paul again was apparently awaiting execution, in prison in Rome for the second time. He's writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. And oh, if you look back in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul talks about all of the perils that he had been facing in his work and ministry as a gospel preacher and an apostle, divinely appointed apostle of Jesus Christ. When he goes through all of those, and he talks about the beatings and the, and the shipwrecks and, and all of those things that he was going through. And then he, he, he rounds that out by saying, and my concern for the churches, for the churches. Elders and preachers probably have a more cognizant understanding that is embedded in that statement than most members of the Lord's church. Not, not saying anything bad about most members, but because we're in positions of being responsible for the souls and the truth of being God's, God's family, the church. And, and so Paul writes to Timothy, he says, I charge you, strong word again, strong, strong instruction. I charge you, therefore, by God, or before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, in other words, by their authority, who will judge the living and the dead and is appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. He tells Timothy, and again, Paul's about to be executed, it would seem, but he tells Timothy, you keep preaching the word. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. When people are going to want to have their ears scratched. In fact, he goes on and he says, but according to their own desires, that because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. In other words, someone to scratch their, their, their ears. To tell them what they want to hear, whether it's the truth or not. But to make them feel okay in their present state of life, even if it's not according to the scriptures, even if it's not according to the faith. They want to feel good. They want to be made to feel okay, even if they're not faithful to God's word. 
and they have turned away their ears from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Paul warns, Paul instructs, Paul encourages mightily, strongly, preach the word to help people stay straight. We need to teach God's word in its purity. We need to teach God's word in its correctness, in its soundness, because again, the strength of our faith depends upon it. As for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine, the truth of God's word, the truth of Christianity, Titus 2 and verse 1. Hold fast the pattern of sound words, the truth of God's teachings, which you have heard from me in faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. So we can easily come back to what Paul said in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15. Study, be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a servant who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, understanding it, accepting it correctly, and making the proper applications in your life. How is your faith right now? Is it strong? Is it sustaining? Is it what it ought to be? Is it demonstrated in your consistent daily faithful living, faithfulness? Don't think you can neglect your faith without your faith becoming weak. A lot of people have tried to do that. They said, oh, I'm, I'm going to stay strong, but they're neglecting their faith and they become weak spiritually. Your faith becomes weak. It's a natural. The one follows the other if you're not paying proper attention to it. If you're not nurturing it and feeding it and building it, don't think you can live unfaithfully and still have strong, true faith. Again, they don't go together. Your strength is in your faith. In order to be strong in Christ, you must, be a, you must pay attention. You must be diligent to apply yourself to develop strong faith and maintain strong faith. And that's not saying you do that all by yourself. God's word is there to help you. And God has blessed the faithful Christian with prayer to petition God, please help me. Remember what the apostles asked Jesus? Increase our faith. Do everything you can do and pray to God that he will help you the rest of the way. And he's already promised that he will. If you need to respond in faithful obedience, repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in Christ as God's son and your Lord and Savior, and surrendering to him in baptism as he taught, must be done for you to be forgiven of your sins and come into a state of salvation in him, we encourage you to take that step. If you need to study some more or talk some more to somebody, please ask us. We're here. We want to help. If you need the prayers of the church, all you need to do is step forward and let us know, and we can pray with you and for you. Or if you want to talk privately, we'll talk with you. We'll study with you. We'll pray with you. But don't neglect your faith. Do what you need to do to be strong in your faith.
because your strength is in your faith. If you need to come, come right now as we stand and sing.